Let us hear now God's word spoken with the letter of Paul to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Hear now God's word. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. I remind you that this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's once again pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I would pray that like Jeremiah, you put your words on my mouth and in my tongue, that I might speak the full counsel of God, and that that you would make the congregation receptive to it, make them pliable, make us to hear your word and respond to it. In Christ's precious name, I ask. Amen. In Genesis 11, fallen man built the Tower of Babel that was intended to stretch to the heavens. It is depicted in artwork as a temple that was devoted to earning their way to to heaven by good works. However, the text illustrates that the Lord had to come down even to see what they had made. It was so unworthy to reach to the heavens that God was required to stoop down just to see the temple that they had made. However, God did stoop down to Israel. His covenant people and enabled them to build a sanctuary in the pattern which Moses had seen in the heavens. This world, this would require God to dwell with them. Not the other way around, such as the Tower of Babel, but God, in the orchestration of the tabernacle or temple, came and dwelt with His people. In these two verses, Paul says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Built on Jesus Christ, His atoning and sanctifying work, this is the foundation of the church. For this reason, we should take heed to build on that foundation if indeed God's Spirit dwells in us. This reveals the doctrine of the text. If God, by His Spirit, dwells in you, you are God's temple. I'll repeat that. If God, by His Spirit, dwells in you, you are God's temple. In other words, by belief in Christ's name, you, plural, Have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and God has made you His special dwelling place. In the exposition, I would like to take up uh, four headings 
God's temple, God's spirit, God's destruction, and God's holiness. Let's take the first one. God's temple. Verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? In other words, Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware that you are God's temple. You are God's sanctuary in which God is pleased to dwell. The you is plural here. In other words, y'all. Do you not know that you all, or y'all, are God's temple? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul dwells on the individual aspects of this temple, but for now, he concentrates on the corporate dimension. You are the dwelling place of God. I don't know of any other temple that describes the members of the temple to be also that temple. I know of no other temple that describes that. But that is what Paul is telling you and me. That if you have the Spirit of God, you are God's temple. And this is consistent with redemptive history from the Old and New Testament. In Exodus 25, verse 8, the verse says that, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God dwelling in the midst of Israel is what constitutes the tabernacle or temple construction. That is the reason why the temple has been even constructed. So that God could dwell amongst His covenant people. And by dwelling in the midst of them, if atonement was made, that would be most designed to give God the glory He sought. Furthermore, uh, Exodus 40.34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the, the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Lord God dwelt among His people and this was intended for God's glory. This was the reason that God commissioned the Israelites to construct this tabernacle. However, in 1 Corinthians... A seismic shift has taken place. The true temple is not Solomon's temple or the rebuilt temple or Herod's temple. The true temple was not a thing, but a person. That is Jesus. As John said in chapter 1 of his Gospel, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14, John said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the God-made flesh, dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, And we have beheld His glory as the true Son of God. Does that sound familiar? God dwelt among the people of Israel in order to reveal His glory. Jesus is the true temple. 
the incarnate glory who dwelt among us, God in the flesh dwelling among us, to behold Jesus is to behold the God-man's glory. Since Jesus, by God's Spirit, dwells in believers, since believers are in union with Christ, we are that temple as well. Jesus is the true temple, and we that are in Jesus are as well. The second heading that we need to dwell upon is God's Spirit. God's Spirit. Verse 16b says, And that God's Spirit dwells in you. If God's Spirit dwells in you, if you are a true believer, you are God's temple. He is speaking of the church. We have talked a lot about the Spirit in previous weeks from chapter 2. Now let us remind ourselves once more in chapter 2, once more starting in chapter 2, verse 10. It reads this. These things God has revealed to you through the Spirit. The wisdom of God is only communicated by and through God's Spirit. Verse 10 continues. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. We said that if the Spirit searches everything, He must be omniscient and omnipresent. For no one can search everything unless He is actually present. And no one can reveal things if He doesn't understand them. The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. He knows because He searches Even God's holy character, He is also present with Him. The train of thought continues. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Because He searches the depths of God. The Spirit of God knows and comprehends God's thoughts. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. The Spirit proceeds from God the Father unto us, that we might understand, quote, understand the things freely given to us by God. Paul says, And we impart this knowledge to you. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things from the Spirit of God. This is the distinction from, uh, between the spiritual man and the natural man. The natural person has only reason to resort to and cannot possibly know the things given from the Spirit. And finally, verse 16b says, But we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, we also have the mind of Christ. In summary, the all-knowing, all-searching, all-present Spirit, if you are a member of the church of Christ by your profession of faith, if you are a true faithful, and obedient follower of Christ, you are indwelt 
by the Holy Spirit, corporately and individually, that makes you God's temple. That is an amazing statement, isn't it? It is really amazing that God would come to dwell with us by the Holy Spirit. He who is omniscient, omnipresent, the divine Spirit dwells within your hearts if you have faith in Christ. Every true Christian has the Holy Spirit. Amazing. What an amazing thought that is. The third heading is God's destruction. God's destruction. Verse 17 says, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will also destroy him. The Old Testament contains the death penalty if anyone defiled the temple by uncleanness. Take Leviticus 15.31 for example. Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle. If the tabernacle or temple is defiled with uncleanness, God promises to strike that person dead. Numbers 19.20 also relays this point. If a man who is unclean does not cleanse himself, that person shall be cut off from the midst of the assembly since he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. In essence, the person will be excommunicated from the people of God by uncleanness as he defiles uh, the sanctuary. But as I just recall to you, if you are in union and communion with Jesus, Christ has cleansed us from every uncleanness and washed all away all your sin. This is the true temple. And you are that temple as well. So if anyone is guilty of destroying God's temple, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit will destroy that one. That is a terrifying, that is a terrifying thought. Let us take a moment to consider, consider it. That means that we should take corporate worship very seriously. That means that we should take corporate worship very seriously. It is the most important thing in the universe. When you come to corporate worship, you meet with the living God. You either are conformed to the image of Christ, or else you will be destroyed by the triune God. Consider Hebrews 12.28 in this context. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He will destroy everyone who destroys the church. Absolutely terrifying. And we should take corporate worship with the utmost sincerity and severity and seriousness. 
I remember the, the first sermon that Reverend Mike Francis, my former pastor, preached. He mentioned that in the, con- in the conversion of Saul, that Jesus came to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul ultimately did not persecute Jesus Christ. We have no indication of that. He did not, properly speaking, persecute him. But Jesus so identifies with the church that if Saul persecuted the church, he was in essence persecuting him. This can truly be said about God's temple. This is God the Father's temple. This is God the Spirit's temple. This is also God the Son's temple. This leads to a fundamental question. How can we destroy the church? How can we destroy the church? Paul gives an answer in things that we have revealed before now. First, by divisions. By divisions. Paul appeals to the, the, the divisions among the Corinthians extensively. He appeals to it over and over again. And that is, the place that, would, that is the place where he will ultimately end up in chapter 3, verse 22. By dividing over teachers, by Apollos, by Paul, by Cephas, or by Christ, if anyone does that, he is guilty of promoting schism in the church. As the hymn writer puts it in the church's one foundation, Though with a scornful wonder, men see her, the church, men see her sore oppressed by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. Yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up how long, and soon the night of weeping shall be the morn of song. How long will the church be oppressed and rend asunder by schisms and heresies? Yet those who breed divisions and sow seeds of dissension do just that. I have one other point that grants the destruction of the church doctrine. Or rather, false doctrine. False teachers teach false doctrines. Or in the context, they teach unessential doctrines or even unbalanced doctrines. They insist on these doctrines versus gospel truth. They don't insist on the person and the work of Christ as the foundation of the church and thereby threaten to destroy the church. Take a careful look at the church of God. Know that it is God's temple, the corporate temple, and teach. Take heed how you build upon it. Just as God destroyed Babylon for tearing down the temple in Jerusalem, so God will destroy the people parading as Christians who destroy the church by setting up schisms and false doctrines or unbalanced doctrines. Anyone that persecutes the church, the triune God will destroy Anyone that is a false teacher, the triune God will destroy. 
Anyone that parades as a pious believer who seeks to sow seeds of dissension, the triune God will destroy. You can bet on that. You can bet on that. The triune God will inevitably destroy those people who are guilty of destroying the church by division and by false doctrine. The fourth and final heading that I would discuss with you this morning is God's holiness. God's holiness. Verse 17b says, For God's temple is holy. The reasons that this is said are threefold. Because God is holy. The Spirit is holy. And therefore, the temple must be holy as well. First, God is holy. It is not to be doubted that God is holy. There are 627 uses of holy or holiness in the Scriptures. Just take Isaiah, for example. He constantly calls God the holy God. He calls the temple the mountain of God because the holy God dwells there. Or Isaiah's absolute favorite, he routinely refers to God as the Holy One of Israel. And most memorable, most and the most memorably, when Isaiah comes to receive his call, he sees a vision of the thrice holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Who can doubt that God is holy as declared in the Scriptures? Ethically pure and separated from sinners. And yet He comes to dwell with us in the sanctuary if we have faith in Christ. Further, God the Spirit is holy. What is the other name for God's Spirit? The Holy Spirit. In fact, maybe three-fourths of the references to holy in the New Testament are regarding the Holy Spirit. I have not counted them all, but believe me when I say to you that the majority of them are in reference to the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks of the holiness of the Spirit in chapter 6, verses 19, in a very similar context. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And verse, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Can anyone say that the Spirit is unholy? From the testimony of Scripture, He is holy. And in fact, an attribute of God is His holiness. And an attribute of the Spirit is also His holiness. Lastly, God's temple is holy. Or rather, God's temple must be holy. The final verse of this text says, And you are that temple, 
in the original meaning, it says something like this, For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. As one commentator says, As the word for temple is not in this text, this reverence may be to the word holy. You, plural, are the temple which is holy. If you are in Christ Jesus, you must be holy as well. Be holy like you have been declared to be. Be holy in consistency with your title. God in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians is said to set the church apart and consecrate it as holy. In union with Jesus Christ as Ephesians 5.27 says, you stand before God blameless and without wrinkle or spot. And as 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In status, you were declared to be holy once and for all when you were bought when you were brought to saving faith in His Son, and you were received into His fellowship with which you committed to being progressively holy. As the Westminster Confession, uh, Shorter Catechism 35 says, sanctification is a work of God's free grace, whereby you are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die to sin and to live unto righteousness. The temple is holy, and you are that temple. God is holy, God's Spirit is holy, and God's Son is holy. Therefore, you should pursue holiness with all of your might. This brings us to our applications. I would like to make three applications for you this morning. An exhortation, a comfort, and directions. Let's take exhortations first. First, I would like to exhort you to be absolutely sure that you have God's Spirit dwelling in you. To be absolutely sure that you have God's Spirit dwelling within you. Plead with the Father by the Son to grant you the Holy Spirit. Remember Luke 11.13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To those who ask. Plead with the Father to grant you this promise in His Holy Word. that the Heavenly Father would be pleased to grant the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Don't dare say, I know that I have the Spirit, so this application is not for me. Don't dare say, it may be for other people, but I know for certain that that the Holy Spirit is in me. Don't you dare say that. Take this exhortation and plead to your Heavenly Father to make certain that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Well, how do you know that God's Spirit dwells in you? 
The answer is that you will have saving faith in Christ. Jesus instructs in His high priestly prayer that the Holy Spirit teaches nothing about Himself, but only teaches about Jesus. As John 15.26 says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. So how can you be sure that you have saving faith in Christ? There are three things that must be present if you hope to have saving faith. The first is there is acquaintance or knowledge with the things of the Gospel. If you want to have saving faith, you need to know that Jesus really existed. You need to know that that Jesus, the God-man, took on flesh. You must know about His crucifixion, His burial, His resurrection on the third day, and an ascent to the right hand of God the Father. The things in the Apostles' Creed, which you just heard about in Sunday school. But this person, if, if he is merely acquainted with the things of the Gospel, is not, does not accept it as uh, unto saving faith. This is a part of saving faith, but you must go farther than mere knowledge. Second, you don't need to merely know and acknowledge things about the Gospel. You must actually assent to the Gospel. You need to receive them. That must... That must You must receive them and embrace them. The things about the Son of God coming in the flesh and that He took the sin upon His shoulders and bore the wrath of God in the place of God's people. You accept the Gospel that is true. Thirdly, you don't merely acknowledge and receive and assent to the things in the Gospel. But in order to have saving faith, faith, you must rest in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You must rest. You place all your confidence in Jesus Christ as proclaimed in the Scriptures. Resting, or as the systematic theologians of old used to say, fiducia, confidence, trust in the Gospel. If you have saving faith in the Gospel, you will assent to the Gospel. You will receive the Gospel of Christ and you will rest and place all your confidence in Jesus Christ. If you have done that, you never have to doubt if you have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is reserved for every true Christian, for everyone that has faith in Christ. Second, I will speak to you a word of comfort. If you are confident that you have received God's Spirit, then take heart. You can be sure that you are the temple of God. You are the dwelling place of the triune God. Isn't that an amazing thought? As Jesus says in John 14, 60, if you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be with you. God's Spirit resides in you. Furthermore, if anyone loves Me, He will keep My word And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Contained in these verses is that the triune God dwells amongst his people. The Father makes his dwelling place with the ones who believe. The Son makes his dwelling place with the one who believes. And the Spirit makes his dwelling place with the one who believes. The Father, the Son, by the Spirit, makes the one who believes in Christ His dwelling place. Again, I ask, is that not an amazing thought? That the triune God dwells amongst you by the Holy Spirit that is within you. Think of that. That the omniscient, omnipresent, Spirit, divine Spirit dwells in you. And also, the omniscient, the omnipresent, the divine Father dwells in you. That the omniscient, that the omnipresent, that the divine whole, excuse me, the divine Son dwells within you. Consider that for a moment and take comfort for that. The third and final thing that must be applied to your hearts is contained in a single direction. You have heard that the temple is holy because God is holy and God's Spirit is holy. You have heard in this sermon that the temple is to be holy as well. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What are the commandments that Jesus describes here? They are contained in the moral law. Summarized in the Ten Commandments. If you have received Christ's redemption from sin and death and the world, the flesh and the devil, you have, no obli- you have an obligation, no, rather, a privilege to keep the commandments of Jesus and to be further conformed to the image of God's Son. And and in no way can any unholiness be ascribed to Jesus Christ. Be therefore holy, because the Lord our God is holy. Let's pray. What an amazing thought, dear Lord. That you would dwell in our midst. The Father, the Son, by the Holy Spirit, dwell in our midst. And that is a serious implication for worship. We must take worship very seriously. If you 
the triune God dwell in our midst. And that we must be holy because You, the triune Lord, are holy. And that is further an amazing thought that You would stoop down to dwell with us. That You would stoop down to dwell with us and give us encouragement that if we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no reason to hope, excuse me, we have no reason to doubt that Your Holy Spirit resides in us by knowledge, by assent, and by confidence and resting and receiving the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no reason to doubt that Your Holy Spirit dwells within us. Make us holy, therefore, as You are holy. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.